All right. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Tavern Voices. I'm your host, Kevin King, and with me, as always, is the radio legend himself, Tyler Crawley, broadcasting all the way from the coast of North Carolina, the Outer Banks, you know, which is have – you, have you watched it on Netflix yet? I Yes. No, I've seen four episodes. Um, it doesn't get I, better. <laughs> but <laughs> – Tell me what's so funny is they wanted to film it in Wilmington. And like, how obvious is that by watching the show? Like they got figure eight, they got Mason Burrow. Like, oh, it's like, yeah. it's like they, it's, you know, they were going to set it in Outer Banks, which I understand, right? Because Outer Banks has more of a, uh, a name that would probably be, would sell better, but it's clear they wanted to use landmarks from Wilmington and it sucks. They couldn't film here, but um, it's pretty well, obvious they wanted to do that. <laughs> so I, what I, I didn't watch the first half. I call it like the last like maybe four episodes. And um, so I, I thought that was hilarious watching it and picking up on all the little things they try to drop in there. Yeah. Uh, but did you notice, uh, well, you haven't gotten there yet. Wait till the end. There's a WECT truck in one of the scenes <laughs> in the news there. They're like, they're trying so hard to be in Wilmington. They keep dropping um, all of these names. Like you said, they, they jump back and forth between Outer Banks, Wilmington. And then there's a couple of times they make these references to like, we're just going to take the boat down to Mexico or let's pop into Cuba. And I'm like, do they know where North Carolina yeah. is? They're like, yeah, you, it'll, it'll take you a couple of days and, and you'll be in, uh, be in the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah, I will say that's the the funniest thing just about Outer Banks in general is like people think it's near us that don't know about North yeah. Carolina. Like Outer I've had friends go to Outer Banks and they're like, hey, man, we're at the Outer Banks. You should come by. I'm like, that's like six hours. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it actually, you way. actually were closer in D.C. than you are now in the Outer Banks. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make that. But um, yeah, no, it's funny watching that show. Too bad, you know, HB2 and politics had to ruin that from being filmed here. But Speaking of film, did you see what movies got that just got greenlit? It's going to be filmed here in Wilmington. I have not seen that. Scream Five is going to be filming here in Wilmington, and for everyone that knows me, I'm a huge Scream fan, and so I'm pretty pumped that they're going to be. I hate film incentives. I will I will fight them to the death, but I still think it's kind of cool that Scream Five is going to be filming here in Wilmington. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that's right up your alley. Are you going to be an extra? I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm pulling all my connections to see if I can, if I can make it in the show. I'd love to get like killed. Like, wouldn't that be cool if there's like a big death scene yeah. and I got to like get killed or something? I'd be, I'd be all for that. Um, That'd be awesome. be you should be killed in the radio studio. <laughs> like they, I, I can see the scene now that like the reflection in the glass, you see the mask right as you get like from behind. Yeah, like wait, like the crescendo of my show. Like all of a sudden, then he comes in and and, and takes me out, and then he takes his mask off, and it's Donald Trump, and I'm like, no, yeah. like. That would be really good. This is not Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Well, no, no, Scooby Doo. He wouldn't get a mask until he was caught. Oh, that would be true. the uh, that would be the the uh, reveal for the audience to see what happens. But speaking of murder and Donald Trump, should we start by talking about uh, Donald Trump, who is somehow now convinced that Joe Scarborough, his former BFF, may be a murderer? I mean, this is like this is like the funniest. I mean, it's funny and sad and horrible and just every adjective you can think of. Um, but yeah, so Donald Trump, the last couple of days, has really been kind of caught on this idea that uh, Joe Scarborough maybe murdered someone that worked for him back when he was a congressman. Of course, there's no evidence at all. Um, but why do you think he's doing it? Here's my question. This is my question for you. Why do you think he's doing this? Like, what does he benefit other than maybe making Joe squirm a little bit. Um, but I just can't figure out like why he's stuck on this. Because Trump has the media figured out. 
right? I mean, that's how he became president. He says stuff, gets people to talk about it. It's earned time. You know, he doesn't have to pay for a dime in television advertising because every show is, and that's what he loves. If you, if, if you stop talking about him, that's what drives him crazy. So he has to come up with something to drive that conversation. You saw last week, Mika was trying to get Twitter to shut down Trump's account. And um, so the more they bicker back and forth, it's going to drive ratings and it's going to keep Trump on MSNBC, his obviously his favorite station now. But the only thing, but isn't that with anything though? I mean, we've seen this, right? Anytime Trump so you're says saying, anything, why did you pick this topic? Yeah. Like I'm saying is, the, is that yeah. like going after Twitter, I want to talk about that in a second, but like, I mean, he's the president. Anything he says going to get attention. Nobody watches morning Joe outside of the Acilla corridor. I don't see how it helps him. It's not like, you know, the mail and absentee thing that got the fact check and, you know, like that at least I think provides some sort of value because it makes the um, it makes his his critics look kind of out of touch. Right. When when they're talking about like, oh, absentee ballot, everyone should be doing that. And, you know, voter ID stupid and regular voters are like, no, I actually think that that makes sense. But it's like when he's going back and forth with, with Joe Scarborough. I feel like everyone, you know, like in the Rust Belt's like, who's Joe Scarborough? Like, what's Morning Joe? Like, they don't watch that show. Nobody's Nobody know what he's saying. Yeah, nobody's paying attention to him in the Rust Belt on that, though. Right? I mean, that, that, that's why we, yeah. we get caught up in these, like, Twitter feuds and realize that no one is on Twitter except for the 12 people talking about it. And it's <laughs> bigger than it is. You it know? is true. Um, it's it's an echo chain. I feel like you've said this before, some, but they say, like, 89% of Twitter's <laughs> posts are made by like 3% of people on the yeah. channel or something absurd. It's like, you've got a few people, your big media personalities, Trump, uh, you know, a few celebrities and that well, they, but that's they the, the majority they, of the content and the yeah. average person probably doesn't even have a, an active Twitter anymore. But if they do, they, I mean, they're not engaged. I, from my perspective, I think it's like, I think the stat is like, it's like uh 20% of Twitter creates 80% of the content, something along those lines. And I think that's true, but there are a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who have like secret Twitter accounts. Like they don't tweet anything. And I've noticed this with like some people that follow me, like every once in a while, I'll just check out, see the people that are following me. And I'll, and I'll realize that like, man, some of these people like don't, they don't tweet. They just have the account. So they follow the conversation. Right. And so, and then there are people that don't even have accounts that still follow um what's happening on twitter so twitter does have a reach and it is true though but it's only a small percentage um of the people actually on there that are creating this you know it's funny i was actually talking about it this morning on my show and i was saying i remember remember when we signed up for twitter yeah you told me what it was and made me sign up (laughs) do you remember who the first person we followed was uh andrew breitbart at least it was mine huh was it andrew breitbart no it was uh julia banderas Oh, Fox. Never Fox. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it. if you go there, you can still see who the first you go, you scroll down your list. You can see the first person you followed was and mine's Julia Banderas. And I remember, I remember we were like talking about who we were going to follow whenever because like, I just remember it was like, it was such a fascinating thing. And you could like, you could actually interact with celebrities back then and people on Fox. And now it's just like a huge mess. There's no way there's so many people on there. The traffic's insane, but it was fascinating. But I do think that a lot of people pay attention. I mean, I've had people tell me the only reason Donald Trump won was because of his Twitter account and because that was his direct way of communicating with voters. And so once again, I'm not saying he shouldn't go on Twitter. I mean, it is one of his direct outlets, but it's just weird that he's like focusing on this thing that I don't see how it benefits him other than he's just really mad at Joe Scarborough. 
Yeah. And I don't, and, see, I, and I don't see it hurting Joe. I, I, it helps Joe. It raises his profile and it proves that he's making Trump mad. I mean, I think it helps Joe Scarborough more than helps Trump. I, I know. I'm sure it probably does. I don't think that there's really anything that, that Trump posts on Twitter that helps him. Um, I think it's his outlet is his way of saying anything he wants to without the media getting in between. And I think he uses that to his advantage. He's not in a, it's not in a press room where the general public is only going to see the clip they put on the nightly news. He can just say whatever he wants. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone said, Hey, there's this rumor about Scarborough doing this or whatever. You could really get his goat by saying this. And he was like, game on, you know, he's, he's the guy that you dare to do something and he will do it and not even, and, and not even laugh in the middle of the practical joke. And I think that's what it is. He's like, how can I go after this person and just just wreck them? Because, I mean, he does it even off the cuff in the in the press briefing room. It wasn't that long ago he told that reporter, it wasn't like a week or two ago, and he was like, yeah, you never think or something like that. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he does do that. So, But, I, but I, I think there's a value in Twitter. Like, I do think it's a way for him to communicate with his biggest supporters directly, and they're a fan of it. And to be honest with you, you know, his latest tweet this morning that's got everyone up in arms, and I actually posted about this on Tavern Voices, is I said in my previous years of, you know, watching and talking and writing about Trump, I would have gone the normal path, which I would have seen this tweet. So Donald Trump tweeted, Republicans feel that social media platforms totally silence conservative voices. We will strongly regulate or close them down before we ever allow this to happen. So I read this and normally I would have done exactly what I would have, you know, I would have done in the past. A lot of other people are doing, which is, oh my gosh, Donald Trump's going to regulate Twitter. He can't do this. You know, it's a private platform and we get in this huge debate about, you know, the first amendment and everything else. And so I like took a breath and I realized and remember that every other time this happens, when I talk to my friends who are Trump supporters and they'll always say like, but does he do anything? Like, why do I always get so mad when Trump tweets something and then never actually acts? And I thought that's hundred percent right. Like Trump does this all the time. He talked about how he wanted to, you know, make libel laws more ambiguous so you could go after newspapers or he was going to go after the FCC license of TV stations. He didn't like, he never does it. And there's no way he's going after Twitter. There's no way. First of all, he loves Twitter. So he's not going to shut it down. He actually wouldn't care if every conservative got taken off except for him, as long as he has the outlet, which of course they're never going to take him off. And so to me, this is just virtue signaling. Um, very similar to, you know, when Joe Biden does something like, um, you wear know, went mask. out and yeah, wear the mask, right? You know, it's, it doesn't really do yeah, much, right. but it shows like, Hey, I'm with you. And so like him saying like, Ooh, Twitter's bad and we're going to shut it down. And you know, his base goes cheers. His critics go crazy. And he gets like a twofer out of it. He, 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 his base is happy and the people that don't like him go nuts. And that's exactly what he wants. But no, Trump's not going to shut down Twitter. <laughs> He's not even going to try. Well, you know, I think it kind of ties back in what we were just talking about with Joe Scarborough, obviously, and that he uses this as an opportunity to just street fight in a way, right? I mean, never once. I don't think I've heard Trump talk about a policy ever. I mean, maybe I could think about first. He's never debating like marginal tax rates or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, or specifics <laughs> on trade. He just makes generalizations. And the answer is if you don't do a deal that's good for me, then I'm just going to, you know, do something totally extreme, you know, and totally pull, you know, force American companies completely out of your country or something. He says those things. I think that's exactly what he what he does in these situations. Oh, if Twitter is gonna start fact checking me, well, we'll just shut down Twitter. We'll go after you. 
Um, so it shows that he's fighting. And I think his base likes that. Uh, I think a lot of people outside of his base kind of like that. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like politics. I mean, politician is as bad of a term as, as lawyer, you know, probably worse now. People are probably like, don't grow up to be a politician. Please be an attorney, um, you know, as far as the, the cultural norm and to have um, and to have somebody up there who doesn't care about the politics. There's a lot of people who like him because he doesn't care. He will say whatever. Um, and I, I think this is part of that. It's like it, we learned that with Obama. Policies don't matter. If you look at substance between Romney and Obama or McCain and Obama, um, the policies and substance of the policies should have overwhelmingly elected both of them. But that's not what people cared about. They cared about platitudes. And now we just have the ultimate platitude himself. Um, well, I think, in, a, in, I, think, right, I think it's a visceral sort of thing where I do think, well, I mean, you have the base, obviously, that, that, that pretty much – Trump really can't do any wrong. And that's, you know, that's very similar to what you mentioned with Obama. Like think about all the things Obama did, you know, whether it was droning American citizens, whether it was uh, bailing out wall street. I mean, these things that buying on journalists, yeah, Republicans do. And you know, Trump does, and he's, you know, Satan, but Obama did it. They looked the other way because they like, it's the cult of personality. But I do think you're right about, there are a lot of people that don't pay attention to politics and they don't like these, you know, it's really funny because, We've sort of moved into this place where people are like, I hate slick politicians. Now, the reason that slick politicians existed was because that's who people voted for. The people that were charismatic, the people that were you know, somewhat good looking. It's not hard to be good looking in politics, but if you're somewhat attractive and you know, you could talk, you know, you had to speak and you could talk about certain policies and everything else, kind of like a Bill Clinton, right. that it was, oh, wow, I like that. But what's happened is that now people have, have railed against that. And so now all of a sudden it's almost like the more uninformed. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to put it like that crudely, but like the sort of Sarah Palin where like, I'm not from Washington and I use, uh, you know, I, I have an accent and, you know, I don't use the phrases that you hear in Washington and I'm folksy. And now all of a sudden it's like that sort of populist uh, appeal. And so when Trump swears, when, you know, he doesn't talk about policy, when he talks sort of generalities and, you know, we're going to slam that person down, we're going to beat him up. I mean, if people have always equated like his sort of politics with like wrestling, where it's all about like the walk in and it's not even actually necessarily about the wrestling match. Like it's more about like the hype the that show. everyone has walking in and it's, you know, it's sort of a predetermined um, uh, decision before you even actually end up deciding who's going to fight. And so that's, a, that's where we are now. And so we're going to see a lot more of that. And I do think that it does appeal to people, but I do wonder, I do wonder if you can go too far. And that's the big question we always have with Trump, right? Like, did he go too far this time? Did he go too far? And some people have said that about this crazy thing with Joe Scarborough. Like, is this it? Will he finally get some backlash? And we've never seen it happen and we may never see it happen, but you always wonder if there is a tipping point where it's like, okay, you know, I like that he makes fun of some of these people, but that was wrong. Well, or that think, was me or whatever. I think it'll go too far when the left stops going that far first, right? Yeah. I mean, Ted Cruz is the uh, is the Zodiac killer, right? Um, <laughs> that's the problem, and 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 we've talked about that a bunch on the show. Is that they've done it first, so now there's nothing. To ha I mean, even with the, um, you know, with the Tara Reid scandal with Biden. You know, it's like, OK, well, once once the left dismisses it, it's done. The, the pendulum is not going to be able to swing back. 
They're going to try, but no one's going to pay them any attention. Me Too had a run, and then they destroyed it. And then, you know, and and and, and I think that's the issue is that, yeah, if, if he was the first person out here calling for a cold case murder investigation against a, a random, you know, television host then that might be seen as crazy to people, but they're, they're used to these kinds of crazy allegations. I mean, when you had what's her name holding Trump's head cut off, you know, as a joke, oh, Kathy like, Griffin, Kathy Griffin and, um, and all the celebrities, your Alec Baldwin's, um, you know, all these people who just have to spew so much hate against it. I mean, they, they go too far first. And then the, the, the people that are in the base and even to the middle are like, well, yeah, I mean, shots were fired at him. He fired shots back. That's what all us red blooded Americans do. I will say this is the one thing that I'm always sort of confused about. And I think it was Jonah Goldberg recently wrote about this, which is so the tell Tara Reed thing and Tara Reed thing is a great example. I'm glad you brought that up because he was arguing. So when Brett Kavanaugh was being falsely accused, which we look back on it and I don't even know how liberals look back on that and think that anything that happened there was fair or that, you know, he should have been derailed or his nomination should have been derailed because of that insanity is that Republicans were like, this is the most horrible thing ever. I can't believe they're treating him this way. And that we need to live in a society that has fairness. And so then here we are, what is this two, three years later? And now Joe Biden is being accused by someone who I think has no credibility whatsoever. I think she's lying. I think that Biden may have, um, uh, but it maybe said something inappropriate or maybe, you know, it's not like he's going to remember at this point. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think he did what she said that, she, that, that he did. I mean, this story just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but now you have all these Republicans saying, well, Biden should be treated the same way as Kavanaugh and Goldberg's point was sort of, well, so how do then conservatives react? So, so are we now going to say that everyone should be treated unfairly like Brett Kavanaugh, or is this our opportunity to say, okay, let's treat Biden fairly and hope that the Democrats pick up on that because who's setting the standard. So if we're going to say, well, Democrats did it, so now we have to do it. So then we do it. And then the next time it happens, the Democrats do it because we did it. It's never going to end. So no one's going to be treated fairly. So how do we get back to fairness? And I don't know the answer to that question, well, but that's the problem that I run into is like, it's always like we demand fairness but, but because our person was treated unfair last time, we demanded the Democrat now be treated unfair. And it's like, well, now we're no one's ever going to be treated fair again. It's yeah, like a well, dominoes. First of all, it's to bring him up twice. Um, uh, the, the hero, Andrew Breitbart, uh, you know, righteous indignation, right? Yeah. It's proving their point uh, when the hypocrisy comes up. I think that's what we're at. I mean, he's Goldberg's points right in an academic sense of, well, if we just keep tit for tatting the whole time, nothing's ever going to improve. Um, and I think I think that's the case. But also, I think as as individuals like the human spirit, if you've watched, you know, let, let's bring up The Last Dance, the other great binge worthy uh, episode <laughs> or, or show that I've watched. And, um, you know, the Pistons were, would, would clobber the Bulls. And so did the Bulls, you know, to, to quote Michelle Obama, when they go low, do you go high? Um, you know. Everybody said, well, that's not fair. Blow the, you know, blow the whistle. That's a foul. Call something. Um, but then when the Bulls would deck them back and get even, people are kind of like, yeah, well, you did it first. That's that's fair. Because, you know, and so if they had not done it, they would have been morally uh, justified in in being, you know, taking the high road. But I think it's also human nature that, well, if you treated me like that, I'm gonna 
you know, throw my elbow back and 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 we'll call it even. And and maybe you'll learn that it sucks to have an elbow across your head, and then you won't do it next time, and we'll <laughs> we'll come to some sort of uh, you know common ground. I, I, so yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you get there by showing them how bad it sucks to be treated that way, or if you um if you try to take the high road yourself. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't know what the answer is, but it just feels like once we all go, okay, well, the Democrats are setting the standard of justice that it's just it's over <laughs> like because we're just going to continue to follow them into hell uh as they get worse and worse and that's what worries me is that at some point there's got to be someone that says hey what are we doing like we gotta you know um look at this from a certain perspective and so i don't know i don't like i said i don't know what the answer well, is one more thing that, yeah. that i'll bring up as well is i think that maybe part of the discussion when this comes up is not necessarily hey we should treat uh, that that we should hold an, an an inquiry and attack Biden in the same way that Kavanaugh was, but it's saying why isn't the media also running all of these stories? You know why aren't not necessarily is it, should conservatives start acting this way? But it's well, why aren't you hypocrites also running these stories with the same fervor as you did the Kavanaugh stories? I think that's where a lot of the outrage comes from is not saying we don't think Biden should be treated that way, but why aren't you treating everyone that if if that's how you think this should be? then you should be running Tara Reid's name on the nightly news every night until it's disproved just like you did with someone. <laughs> I'm going to um, – no, and I agree with you, and I think that's a valid question. The problem is, is that when you demand the media treat somebody unfairly because somebody else is being treated unfairly, it's still unfair. And can I swear on – wait, we're live. I can't swear on here. No, but um, I, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a famous um, – At least uh, you recognize. <laughs> yeah, I know. I almost said it again. Thank God for that little red live button there. Um, but it says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to clean it up. But basically, it's like, um, oh, I don't think I can clean it up. It, <laughs> but it says doing something ironically, you're still doing it. So it's mm -hmm. like if you're, you know, breaking into a store, ironically, like, and you get caught by the police. It's like, no guys, it was a joke. I was just kidding. And it's like, yeah, but you still stole out of the store. So we're going to lock you up and throw you in the cop car. Like you can't just be like, oh, it's ironic. Like, ha And so it's sort of like, that's what worries me is that like, so if we're like, Hey, you got treated unfairly, we got treated unfairly. So now we're going to treat you unfairly. You're still treating that person unfairly. Even if in some sort of like cosmic way, it's justified, you're still treating this person unfairly. And whether you're doing it because they did it first or whatever the reason is, you're still treating that person unfairly. And so that's, so that's my question is where does it end? Cause it feels like it doesn't, it just, we just continue going down that path. And that's what worries me. The Boston massacre is where it ends or starts, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, before we run out of time, let's talk about North Carolina. What's your opinion on the uh, reopening now that we're in phase two here, which is a little better, but not much different than phase one. No, in fact, you know, I, I think uh, it, it should be brought up that phase two is actually not what phase two was supposed to be. Well, it's modest. Um, Remember, he said it's a modest phase two, so it will not sleep with you on the first date. It is a modest phase two. <laughs> well, I, don't, actually, I, don't know what, I don't know what modest means when he says like, a, I mean, I thought he meant like a moderate phase two, but like a modest phase two. I don't I don't get that. But did you see where I believe it was the state of Wisconsin said that to practice uh, safe social distancing, you should sleep head to foot? with your uh, significant other. So that, <laughs> <laughs> you what not, is that? What does that change? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be like butt to butt? Like, <laughs> no, I mean that way you're not breathing on their, you're bringing on their feet, I guess. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Like, okay. like this. 
uh, visually. Um, I, thought, I thought they were talking about like for some other reason. And I was like, oh man, they're getting kinky over there with the, uh, you know how these Wisconsinites are. They are <laughs> well, not they're, in, they're inside a lot during the winter. So they got to, you know, experiment. So yeah, I don't blame yeah. them, but they've got good beer and cheese curds. So, but as far as North Carolina goes, I think that Roy Cooper has just absolutely demonstrated that he has no idea what he's doing. I feel like we've talked about that here for now, almost four years. Um, he is just not a leader. He's not, he just doesn't seem to really have a plan about anything. He just kind of wings it. The part I loved last week is they came out on Wednesday, said phase two is going to roll out on Friday. Um, we're going to let restaurants open at 50%. Um, and named off the other things that were, that were opening up at limited capacity. And instantly the breweries, um, you know, tap houses, wineries, all these places kind of came out and said, well, we're not a bar, so can we open? And it took them three days to figure it out. And it, and, and that to me, that just shows like a general incompetence that they didn't a, I mean, do they not have someone on staff that could spend an hour and maybe all this down? It's like they come out and then someone asks them a, a question and then they take two or three days to come back with some sort of answer. Um, and then they open that up. So now my point is, okay, well, if breweries can open and tap rooms can open and restaurants can open, then why can't a bar open? What's, what's the difference? So it, it and, and, and for them to call it science-based and evidence-based. Oh, science, time. data, fact. It's like, it's like, um, he says that every single time he has a press conference, he's like, based on science, data, fact. Yeah, no, it's, it's all fun. So I'll get your opinion in a second, but I did want to, um, I did some, some stats uh, here, a stat singular uh, before the show, because we had there was a lot of negativity and doom and gloom coming into this a couple months ago, and this has been a bad virus, no doubt about it. Uh, a lot of people have died. It's still very serious. Uh, but I noticed North Carolina's confirmed case rate to mortality rate is 0.03. Um, so that's a lot better. And so I just wanted to point that we were talking two, three percent, you know, at one point based on, you know, kind of looking at early Italy numbers and stuff. Um, so I'm glad that we haven't ended up in a situation where um, it is as bad as some people feared that it was. Well, I mean, it also should be noted, and I think this is something that gets lost all the time because you, and I would say this is on both sides, there's a lot of goalpost moving, is that the original purpose of the lockdown was just to make sure the hospitals didn't get overrun, but it wasn't Correct. to stop people from really dying. So, um, you know, we're, we're at 100,000. And so my argument's been from day one is that I think kind of both sides were were off by a factor of 10 and that, you know, some of the people that were downplaying it thought we wouldn't even reach the swine flu level, which was 12,000. Now we're 10 times above that. And then there are people that thought we were going to be at a million and we're, you know, a 10% of that. So I do think that, you know, we're, we're ending up in the middle. Like it always happens with political discussions, right? We weren't the, the far, far left or the far, far right. We were, we were somewhere in the middle. Um, and yeah, I mean, that number is probably going to jump as we start to reopen, but it wasn't about keeping everyone safe for X amount of time until we got a vaccine. It was supposed to be about just flattening the curve. Which arguably we we've done, um, you know, maybe too well, and <laughs> that yeah, maybe the I rate mean, is supposed to be higher, it. and we're going to find out. And the problem is, though, is that I think it's going to be um, just—I don't even know how much harder for governments because what's happening now is that people are, are are so frustrated; they're starting to file lawsuits. We're seeing them filed here in North Carolina, and they're probably going to win. And so now, all of a sudden, the governors who sort of had this carte blanche with quarantine law are now going to be stifled. And so if we do have another outbreak, like people have said in the fall, uh, good luck trying to get that done because I just don't feel like the people are going to be as docile 
which by the way, I think is something that people didn't calculate for. I think a lot of leaders thought, yeah, a lot of people may stay home, but a lot of people are just going to be like, forget this. And everyone was amazingly compliant. And I think that now a lot of us are saying, so exactly. Is that I think they thought it was going to be like 50% participation instead of like a hundred percent. And so, cause even in States like that had no shutdown, like South Dakota. I mean, their economies collapsed. I mean, so if they, everyone was out still engaging in commerce, they, why would the economy be down? There'd be a little bit of a downturn because the, the, the country's down, but they've taken a hit because they all stayed home too. Um, but now still, everyone's kind of I mean, like, why? Listen, why? I, I've been out a couple of times in the last uh, week now, um, had lunch on Saturday and the, the outdoor patio area of the restaurant was, was fairly busy. I, you know, they, they had everything distance out at half capacity and every other table, whatever. Um, it, it was decently busy. It was a nice day inside. There was no one, uh, dining. So, I mean, to your point, even with the restrictions lifted, and I think that is what a lot of people who have been concerned about the economy have been trying to say is that this isn't going to be a shut it down, wait till everything's a little better, open it back up, fire on all cylinders. I think that there are going to be a ton of businesses and industries that could take months to even get back to normal. Um, and that, I mean, I, I think that we could be high single digit unemployment headed into the election. That's not good for Trump. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I think we might still be double digit by November too. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're at 12%, 14% nationwide and climbing, uh, cause there's going to be a little bit of a lag there. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we're not, but what's, what's kind of funny and you can probably go back and listen to the tape. Um, I always thought, you know, everyone, I always thought it was kind of you know, this, this conspiracy theory that this was all about hurting Trump for November. What we saw yesterday in Politico, the Democrats, what they're worried about is that right when the election is happening, we're going to be getting these uh, Q3 numbers, probably right around there, or Q2, no, Q3. And they're going to be like insane. They're going to be like 21% growth for the third quarter because everything's going to open back up. And yeah. it's just, they're going to be insane. Like the stock market's going to be probably doing pretty well. And it's going to seem like, oh my gosh, look how great everything is. And a lot of Democrats are now worried. And I, I always thought that from day one, that if you look at the timeline of the shutdown, and maybe that's why you can argue some of the Democrat governors are trying to um, continue the shutdown. But it appears as if a lot of these good numbers that we're going to be seeing, you know, the, the devastating ones of Q2 are going to be tremendous in Q3. And it's going to be happening like right when the election starts, like right when we're voting. So, do you think uh, Roy Cooper is uh, is one of those memes with the two buttons, and it's like destroy Trump or destroy my own election, <laughs> and he doesn't know which button to push? Well, it's funny because he got like his donors on one shoulder, and then he got like his like political advisors that are like telling him, you know, you can't destroy this, uh, you know, the economy. And so, yeah, no, I do think he's in the, and now he got the RNC. I think they're pressuring him. I almost feel bad for Roy Cooper because he's not smart and um, he's being he's, he's being given a lot of different of opinions from people that normally are like lock and step. And so I feel kind of bad for him because he's like he's, he's got to be under a lot of stress <laughs> to decide who he's going to go with, which it's not like a devil and angel. It's just two devils. It's yeah. like it's he, like he's, North Carolina Democrats, national Democrats. And he created it himself. That's the best part. Yeah. Well, that's the problem when you um rely on polling to make every decision when the polling is like 50 50 <laughs> you're like oh you have to make the decision now and he's like uh, i've never done that in my political career so yeah um i did, I did notice uh, another statement of positivity i read the phase two release document uh, mm -hmm. on friday and it did specifically say that um social distancing um the rules do not apply to uh your first amendment rights so i'm glad they cleared that up
They actually, <laughs> they actually spelled that out in there, just in case anyone's wondering. He's like, hey, you guys aren't going to believe what this U.S. Constitution thing says. <laughs> like, can you believe it says freedom of religion? Man, you think I would have read that with being attorney general for uh, 12 years. But <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of this little thing? <laughs> now, I can't make fun of him too much. I did not know that the North Carolina Constitution mentions fruit of your own labor because i've been talking about that a lot on my radio show as being one of the arguments for the lawsuits um so i'll admit i didn't know that but then again i'm not an attorney nor was i attorney general so i get a little bit more of a pass than the gov a little bit well you know we're running out of time and um i don't know if there's anything else that you think that we should get to um no i think it's a good update I, gonna... I thought it took us four weeks to do another show but that's how slow time is going right now actually I will say May has moved almost at light speed in my opinion versus April. April was like a year. <laughs> like May has been quicker. I feel like, cause maybe we've been out more, but like April was seriously the longest month I've, I've ever experienced. It was awful. And we just went week to week with more speculative numbers. Now we can at least look back and see kind of what's going on. And I, I love that. I mean, the curve is flat and we've done a good job. Um, and I will say I am supposed to have an Amazon delivery on Thursday and hopefully my hair will be gone. So this is going to be the last week of the best hair in radio for you and I. Oh man, what did you get a Floby? Yes. No, I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to attach it to the uh, shop vac. Um, yeah, it's a Floby. Is yeah. that a Floby yeah, or the no. Flomi yeah. or something? Whatever it is, I'm not sure what it is. Well, I told you to watch your language. We are live. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's you know the Floby was something else. I don't know the, the Floby was uh, I bought from another store. <laughs> <laughs> that is not from Amazon. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, let's let's try to do it again next week, and uh, we'll be maybe closer to phase 2.1. Yeah, I like it. All right, man. I'll see you. See ya.